Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the all-important second episode of the Joy of Financial Planning podcast. Special thanks to my friends who have continued to encourage me to record, specifically Brianna Reich, David Green, Peter Lipset, Carlos Torres, and many others. Without you, this second episode would be floating into the ether who knows until when. So thanks. Thank you very much. Now, the topics of this podcast are a complement to the book, Joy of Financial Planning, uh, coming out this fall, 2019. The book is about our desires as a generation to overcome economic challenges, our ability to do so with the tools of financial planning, and the need for all of us to succeed, not just for our sakes, but the sake of the American dreams of those who come after us. I'm excited about the book. I can't wait to have it in my hands and certainly can't wait to put it into all of your hands. Um, but for now, we have a podcast. So let's get to that. This episode's topic isn't very common, but it will feel familiar once you start learning about it. In the book, I call it the joy of harmony. But in the real world, it's just called family governance. Well, let's begin. So I suppose the first thing we need is a definition, and then we can actually talk about the topic a little bit more. So a definition is um, something that's kind of hard to find on the interwebs because there are so many definitions for family governance. So I cobbled together a bunch that I saw, and I came up with this sort of first iteration of Jason Howell's definition of family governance. Here it is. It's the system for creating family harmony, preserving family history, and nurturing family values through the purposeful structure and stewardship of the founding family members. A little long, right? I know. So I created another definition that's a little easier. So here's that version. And that version is, the wealthy family system for nurturing values, traditions, and wealth that is passed on to the next generation. I think that's a lot neater, so I'm going to use that, I think, going forward. But I wanted to share both of them just so you had an idea. I mean, the reality is family governance has been around for centuries. It's something that has created opportunities for families for many, 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 many years and allowed them to pass along wealth for many, many, many years. And so you might keep in mind the royals. You might go further back and think of the Romans uh, and their empire. All of them use some version of family governance. Today, the only people that really are exposed to formal family governance are typically the ultra high net worth. And so in layman's terms, that means people who are in the 20, 30, 50, $100 million family net worth range. There are all kinds of firms that you would recognize that are large financial institutions that cater to these families and do essentially everything for them so they don't lose their wealth and so they can pass it on to the next generation. Uh, what they also participate in doing, and then there's a cottage industry of folks who help them with this, um, some smaller businesses that help them with this, is work with the next generation and the generation after that. Now, number one, you're thinking, of course, to preserve against you know, paying too much in taxes, which is entirely true. And also maybe to put some estate plans together so that there are trust documents and the like that can make sure that they have some rules, some guardrails around spending the wealth. That's also true. 
but some of the better firms actually take the time to sit with the very next generation and maybe the generation after that and talk about, with the help of the parents, the money. Talk about what it means to the family. Actually carve out some values and traditions by working in concert with the family or the family founders or really just the founders of that wealth so that you're not only passing along money, but you're passing along values and traditions, like I said, along with the wealth, hence the simpler definition. What struck me is every family does a little bit of this in one way or another. And I thought it would be very helpful if when I was looking at you know, all the seven steps that I would have for financial planning, or really the joy of financial planning, that if one of them could be in and around this topic called family governance. Because even if you only make tens of thousands of dollars a year or hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, um, you still need to figure out a way to not only pass along perhaps your work ethic, but also pass along the other values and traditions that are important to your family. And yes, the wealth and well-being will come together towards that. And so in my firm, I work with family governance with my clients, and I thought I would share a little bit about how I build that up here on this podcast episode. So number one, before you can start thinking about passing anything down, one of the first steps is really thinking about your own story. You know, your past relationship with money, your parents, your siblings, what you heard when you were growing up, what money actually means to you today based on what you've always known for it to mean uh, to you in the past. You know, I teach a class at American University in Washington, D.C., And one of the assignments that I give them, in fact, one of the very first assignments I give them is a short paper, three to five pages. And I'm only asking them a few questions. The first question is almost exactly catered to this idea of governance. Number one, what is your past relationship with money? Now, since these folks are usually about 18 to 22 years old, they're going to talk about what they heard their parents say from as early as a time as possible. And they give me this story that really colors the perception they have coming into the class. I'll hear things like money is tight, or um, the parents maybe would always argue about money, or maybe I would hear that they actually had a really easy relationship with money and money was always available. And then oddly, there'd always be this story where it says, until this one event happened, and then it changed their entire view as a family about money and what it meant to them and how they lived. And so that question is really important. What is your story with money? What did you hear growing up? If you write that down as sort of a first step, you'll start to get towards your current feelings and then maybe the feelings you want to share and express and train and teach uh, the next generation and even just your spouse or significant other so they can learn a little bit about where you're coming from when it comes to money. The second question, if you wanted to know, uh, second and third question I'd ask my students is, number one, what do you want money to do for you? And uh, the third question is, what do you want money to do for you in 10 years? And so that gave them an idea of aspirations, which is the second step here. So the first step is getting an idea of your story, documenting that. The second step is really, what are your aspirations that typically include money, right? Now, a typical financial advisor, financial planner would say, what are your goals or what are your financial goals? I've come to learn that people don't have really financial goals. They have goals. They have things they want to do in their life with people that they love for a long, long time. 
and fortunately or unfortunately, uh, those particular goes may um, may cause a need for some extra money. Um, but that's my job to figure out how the money plays into that. Just for you, for this second step, think about what your aspirations are. And it's not just for maybe stuff that you want or a certain level of wealth, because these are just goals, right? But what standards do you want to have as a family? What values would you like to pass along? As I alluded to in the intro, most people have an overall idea of this concept of family governance, even if they didn't have a label for it. Um, and over the course of raising children or you know, being raised as a child and having siblings, most families sort of get a feel of their culture, right? It's like a company. Companies have culture, whether they name it or work on it or not. Um, families have a culture too, and they have traditions too, whether they are good or whether they are bad, whether they are intentional or unintentional. What family governance gives each family an opportunity to do is to be very intentional about the aspirations and about the traditions and about the standards and about the values that you're sharing and learning and developing. Uh, That's why it is so valuable. This is a big reason why some people say the rich get richer. The rich don't get richer because they're rich. The rich get richer because they get help. And some of that help is family governance. And some of that is, number one, identifying who you are. That would be your story. Number two, identifying what you want. That would be your aspirations. And what do you want your last name to be or mean is a part of that. You know, when you think of folks or families that are very wealthy, you might think of the Rockefellers or maybe the Kennedys or or the Bushes um, or the Queen and the royal family. One thing that sort of penetrates all of those families, and and you can see it, is some sort of tradition um, that they pass generation to generation. You know, for the families that I just named, a lot of them it's been service, public service, in fact. And isn't it interesting how through their one tradition of public service, they've also seemed to keep their wealth. I don't think those two are directly related, but for the fact that there's a tradition of anything, and that tradition of something allows a tradition and discipline around money as well. So document your aspirations and what you want to be known for, what you want your family to be known for, and you'll be through the second step of family governance. The third step is really in and around your values. And what would you say is your minimum standard? Now, you know, values can be a tricky word because it could be speaking to religion and spirituality. And you can go down that path if you'd like. Are you spiritual? Are you religious? Is there a particular religion that you and your family want to ascribe to? Incidentally, um, when I researched family governance online, I saw the Mormon uh, religion having a stronger bent towards family governance in and around the kitchen table. Um, So that was just interesting. But it doesn't have to be specific to Mormons in the same sense that family governance doesn't have to be specific to the ultra-wealthy. This is a concept that can be valuable to all of us. And so what are your minimum standards and values? You know, when I was being raised... How I dressed was very important. People uh, sometimes make fun of how I dress now, maybe. Typically a little more formal than, um, than the occasion might necessarily require. But that comes from way back. That comes from my dad and having a certain standard of how we dressed and how we presented ourselves to the public. So when you're thinking of standards, this goes to the core of many, many different things. 
in and around your spirituality, in and around your public presentation, in and around the language that you use, the kind of language that you use, um, whether it's coarse language, whether it's flowery language, you know, your, think of your handwriting. Um, you know, all of these things are a reflection of you, and they can be a reflection of your values. Uh, when you actually document this and share this with another family member, it really does tell a lot and it will certainly motivate stories. So take the time. So here we are. Number one, your story. Number two, your aspirations. Number three, your values. Number four, your mission. So this is a little bit of future casting here. You know, one of the reasons that I think family governance and the joy of financial planning writ large is so important is because in this generation, we really need the discipline and organization of family planning to, at to basically attempt to solve the big world challenges that some of us, some of us have deep down in our hearts to accomplish. Um, this is where some people find their mission. You know, maybe they want to be a part of, you know, solving, um, you know, global warming, or maybe they want to be a part of feeding the hungry or helping the poor or uh, any many number of things, whatever your ambitions are. But then there's also the family itself. Maybe our family is, this is gonna be the first generation of our family to really create some discipline around wealth so that the next generation uh, doesn't have to start off as, uh, as challenged as we were. You know, what is that mission that you as a family can you know, rally around? If you document that, and if you go online and you just search family mission, family motto, typically they're just one sentence uh, items. It makes them memorable. It could be one word. You know, honesty. Honesty is a big enough word to be your entire mission. It can mean so many things. Um, it could be in and around trying. You know, we try. That's our family motto. Um, you know, whatever your mission is, whatever you can think of, remember, this is yours so it can change. But here's my, my promise to you. When you start documenting your story and when you work and spend some time on what your aspirations really are, and when you start to word cloud your values and, and what certain, you know, certain words mean to you um, based on the first two, your mission starts to become really easy to document. You'll just have some fun wordsmithing it into a short sentence or into one word. But your story, your aspirations, your value, your mission will come out right there. And that gives you those first four. That gives you, you know, your first stab at documenting what your family governance you know, should be for you. And I'm using those words intentionally. It should be not based on what I think or what anybody else thinks, but based on what you think. You and your significant other who are now the founders of uh, this family at this point. But the next two are the ways that you keep it going, right? That you can go back and review. And the next one is really about your bylaws. So as a family, when you've decided what your mission and your values and your aspirations are, you'll want to find a way to make it work, to say, all right, how do we actually do this? And this is where you start creating the personal habits that all of you will try to ascribe to. And that when you sit around the dinner table, if you are so fortunate as a family to be able to take time to do that, 
when you meet up at the park, when it's the evening and everyone's just sort of sitting around, you can talk about these kinds of habits that you find to be really important. As an example, if part of your value system is formal education or just education in general, right? Forget the formal and it's just education, then you could say one of the personal habits would be reading a book. Of course, you could just read the interwebs, but really, um, reading a book is its own kind of discipline. And so if reading a book is its own kind of discipline, then that could be part of your bylaws that, you know, as family members, we each read one book a month. No one cares about the length. No one cares about, you know, the topic, um, but it's one book a month. Or maybe you care about the length. Maybe you care about the topic. It's your family. Do whatever you'd like. Um, but that would be the idea of a continual education if that's part of you know, what's important to you as a family. Uh, another habit could be we, you know, we drive cars into the ground, right? So that means you know, this is going to affect how you buy cars and trade in cars. That You, know, you have a personal habit of keeping the car up, um, keeping it well-maintained, and so it can last a whole heck of a long time. You know, these are easy personal habits that you can document um, that end up being part of your bylaws and in the case of a car help save you a lot of money Uh, and of course i'm in the business of money right so when i think of family governance i'm typically focused on a lot of opportunities for financial intentionality right so I'm, i'm sort of really jerry-rigging these words together here. Um, But the idea of saying, wow, if I'm your financial guy, what about your story? What about your aspirations? What about your values? What about your mission? Can we put in places bylaws so you can get what you want? Because that's why people hire me as an advisor. They say, oh, I I want you to help me get what I want, whether it's a college plan or retirement plan or whatever it is. Um, You have the opportunity to do that for yourself when it comes to finances, but you also have the opportunity to do that in other categories of life, other important categories. And so think about what could be instituted, simple things like you know habits. Maybe it's just the idea of the family coming together uh, once a week at the dinner table and having open conversation about how people feel. That could be in your bylaws. That could be in your family. If, for example, in your family, communication has always been a challenge and that was a very important issue that you wanted to address within this generation of your family, then you can identify ways to make communication a lot easier, starting with your nuclear family and having that maybe once a week uh, meeting. And and dinner could be the reason for meeting. Uh, Maybe it could be calling your siblings or your parents if they're not local. Um, once a week or maybe once a day. Those could be in your bylaws. Someone's going to college, you could have in your bylaws. You call me every Wednesday, whatever it is. But this is your opportunity to document things that you can agree upon as a family. Finally, the, um, the last document would be your constitution. Who knew you could have your own constitution? So a family constitution that really said, you know, we the family believe this and that and that. And then you could probably put your bylaws in here. Uh, Again, if you try to do a search for family constitution online, you might get more family mission, one sentence uh, type things. But I really aspire to the idea of saying, let's actually document a a constitution that even has amendments that says, you know, all right, we believe that everyone should be, you know, in the house by midnight every night, right? So if you've got teenagers and you think, all right, 
you know, we the parents, we're home by midnight every night. You, the teenagers, should be home by midnight every night. And then, you know, the teenagers get older and you as parents figure out date night could go till one in the morning. And so you say, let's make an amendment here. Um, you know, the uh, constitutional amendment number one says, yeah, you can stay out as late as you'd like as long as you call in or send a text. You know, it's, it's your family document. Of course, even if you put this constitution together, unlike the formal United States constitution, you don't need an amendment to change things. You just need to uh, backspace maybe on Word and edit. Um, but it's yours. It's your document. And it can be really fun to have this. Because any manner of things could be in your constitution. Um, again, connected to your bylaws. It could be we, the people of this family, uh, hereby declare that we will always eat a vegetable with every meal. It's up to you. Um, but just think of this. Think of this idea of governance as an opportunity to take time to think and express what you would like to be as individuals and as part of a family. And you could be anything. You could be anything in the world. You could be the healthiest family in the neighborhood. Uh, you could be the wealthiest family in the neighborhood. You could be the most giving family in the neighborhood. You could be the most curmudgeon uh, miserly-like in the neighborhood. But make a decision. And as you make that decision, you can edit the decision because it's your family. That's what makes it so exciting. Putting it down in a document um, or a number of documents that say, all right, what's our story, number one? What are our aspirations, number two? What are our values, number three? What's our mission, right, written all the way out? Um, what are our bylaws that support that mission, so our habits? And then, for fun, what is our constitution that really summarizes it all? This, this is step one, in my view, of really identifying all the joys of financial planning to come, and, and we'll get to that in the next episodes. But family governance is a wonderful place to start. It doesn't have to be relegated just to religions, and it certainly doesn't have to be relegated just to the ultra-wealthy. It's for you, and it's an opportunity. And I hope you grab it and send me some feedback if you try it. I actually have a beta document that I use with my clients to help them walk through this a little bit. So if any of you are interested in that document, just send me an email, jason at jasonhowell.com, and I'd be happy to send it to you as long as you promise to give me some feedback on what I might change based on your experience as a family. All right, with that, we have now ended our second episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and like I said, I would love some feedback.